Welcome to Roaming Radio. I'm your host, Sheridan Futrell, bringing you episodes every other week all about the outdoors. We'll learn about new skills, get honest gear reviews, hear stories about belonging in the outdoors from other people just like you, and so much more, all in pursuit of a more adventurous life. So put on your adventure shoes and let's dive on in to today's episode. Today's episode is all about Leave No Trace. Leave No Trace is a seven-part framework or set of guidelines for outdoor recreation that is focused on leaving a minimum impact on the wild spaces we visit. Later in the episode, we'll dive into each of the seven principles in depth, but just so you have a look ahead at to what each of the seven are, they are plan ahead and prepare, travel and camp on durable surfaces, dispose of waste properly, leave what you find, minimize your fire impact, respect wildlife, and be considerate of others. Leave No Trace matters because of the focus on education. By focusing on education, there is a lessened requirement for things like restoration or resources that go towards restoration or enforcement of behaviors that would go against the guidelines. Education on things like Leave No Trace is also a very cost-effective way to get people who are in the wild spaces to care and to behave in ways that keep them safe, keep the environment safe, keep wildlife safe. And it's a low-cost way to have an impact on what the environment looks like after we use it for things like camping, hiking, backpacking, and whatever else you may be doing outside in the wild spaces. And Leave No Trace is something you'll hear a lot about as you spend more time in the outdoor community. And it's something that everyone seems to know about, but when you're starting out, it might be new to you or you might not exactly know what it is. And that's totally okay. Not everyone knows everything when they start out. And that's kind of the goal of this podcast is to help you become a more equipped and a more skilled outdoors person. So Leave No Trace goes into that. So let's just go ahead and dive on in. So the first principle is to plan ahead and prepare. So planning ahead and preparing is super important, especially when it comes to safety. And more than safety, it also is really helpful to plan ahead and prepare in order to make yourself have a better time outside. And planning ahead and preparing looks similar among camping, hiking, and backpacking. It looks like finding out if there are permits required for the area you're entering or if there's a timed entry reservation system in place or even if you just need a reservation in general for the campground you're trying to visit. Past your accommodations, it also looks like looking up the weather and making sure you are prepared for things like afternoon thunderstorms in the mountains if you're in the mountains or things like windstorms if you are in the plains. And it just makes you think about your trip logistically. And by thinking of the logistics of your trip, you're setting yourself up for more of a chance to have a successful outing and an outing that doesn't end with a call to search and rescue. Planning ahead and preparing is also where you could focus on skills like first aid or orienteering if you want to go off trail and explore in that kind of way. It encompasses pretty much anything you could fathomly think of before heading out for that backpacking trip, the hiking trip, or your camping trip. 
The second principle is to travel and camp on durable surfaces. And this is where differences start to pop up based on which activities you're doing and where you're doing these activities. So for traveling, so when you're hiking or backpacking during the walking portion of those, you're going to want to stay on durable surfaces. And a durable surface varies. So the first, like most durable surface are things like rocks and sand and gravel. The second most durable surface would be ice and the snow that you aren't sinking into. And then followed by vegetation that's a little bit more sturdy. So those would be things like the grass you would find in the Midwest. And then we're starting to get into least durable surfaces with living soil. And that would be something that you would find more up in like tundra type areas or above a tree line if you're in the mountains. And then even less durable than that would be desert puddles and mud holes because water is such a scarce resource during the hot seasons in this desert. So you want to make sure you aren't trampling in those water sources that wildlife and insects and birds and even the plants need in order to survive the drier seasons. You would also keep those durability types in mind when choosing a campsite that is not a designated camping site because the same thing applies to sleeping as it would with travel. This principle also takes into account where and like how you would travel in the backcountry. So you would want to stay on trail wherever there is a trail and that's because it's already there. You don't want to make a social trail which is created when more than one person or even sometimes one person depending on the environment goes off and a path is left and it's a very obvious path. So you want to stay on trail whenever you're traveling and yes when it's time to go to the restroom and stuff you do want to step off but you want to stay on the trail as often as possible. With camping you're going to want to camp on durable surfaces but you do that 200 feet off the trail and 200 feet away from water sources. And again, that's just to keep water sources clean and to allow animals to have access to the water sources so they aren't going through your campsite. Nobody wants to be woken up in the middle of the night with a bear trying to drink the water because you decided to camp right next to a water source. The part of this principle where it talks about camping on durable surfaces, that also includes your camp kitchen. You want to cook on as durable of a surface as possible, but also keep in mind the safety of cooking. Like if your rock is at a 45 degree angle and your food's going to tip over and spill and potentially burn you, maybe don't choose that rock, but you do want to opt for the hardest surface possible when you are cooking and setting up your camp kitchen and where you're planning on sitting and things like that for camping. Next up is the third principle, and that is disposing of waste properly. And this is where that saying pack it in, pack it out comes into play. And waste includes garbage, it includes human waste, it includes just anything that you would leave behind that you wouldn't find in the natural environment. So what that looks like for each of those types of larger categories. So for garbage, you're going to want to pack it out. 
a lot of people, especially when they're camping, use fire pits kind of as a catch-all for a garbage can. And that is a really important thing to think about because when you are trying to burn your garbage, you're not actually burning all of it. There's always something left over and it doesn't fully turn to ash. So even though it feels like you are disposing of it in a good way, you are just contributing more to having waste in the area and litter because you do need to pack it out. Take, for example, a paper plate. This is a super common one that people just throw into the fire. Unless if that paper plate turns fully to ash, it will leave food remnants for wildlife to get into, which then in turn teaches them that this is a spot where you can get people food and that can lead down a path where the animal might end up being euthanized if it becomes a problem because it has become accustomed to human food. So the best course of action is just to pack out all of your garbage, bring a trash bag while you're camping or three, so that way you can load it all up, put it in your trunk. If you have a truck, put it in the bed of your truck and leave where you are and go find a dumpster and dispose of it in a dumpster, not the fire pit. That same idea about trash applies to hiking as well. If you are somebody who likes to eat fruit while you're hiking or backpacking, throwing the peels like a banana peel or an orange peel or an apple core is also littering because those things are trash as far as the environment is concerned. If it is not native to the area, it does not belong on the ground as a disposal method. So What I mean by that is things like fruit peels will not biodegrade the way you think they will in areas that are not equipped to biodegrade that stuff. So what biodegrades in Florida is different than in Colorado, and what's different in Colorado is different than it would be in the desert of Arizona. So when you are eating snacks, pack out all of your trash, including those food scraps. The next thing that's related to properly getting rid of waste is how you get rid of your human waste, which is things like your urine, any menstrual blood, and your poop, which is always a great topic to talk about. And the way you want to dispose of menstrual blood and poop is the same. Like they are the same in how you want to treat them. And this is where the first principle comes into play and knowing what you need to know about where you're going ahead of time. Some areas let you dig something called a cat hole. And then there are some areas that require you to carry something called a wag bag, which is basically a bathroom in a bag. You use it like you would a toilet at home. But the most common way is by using a cat hole. So what a cat hole is, is it's a hole that you dig that is six inches deep and between four and six inches wide. And you're going to use that for things like your menstrual blood and your poop. If you have never used one of the holes before, I would go wider on the hole because you don't want to miss. It's really gross when you miss. So the way that you use a cat hole is pretty intuitive. You dig it and you make sure that you're digging it 200 feet from water sources and 200 feet from trails or campsites. So you dig your hole, you squat, you use the hole, and then you're going to cover the waste back up with dirt. 
Things that you would pack out related to a cat hole are toilet paper. You're going to pack out the toilet paper. You are going to pack out any used pads or tampons and all of the wrappers that are associated with those. And a good way to like not be super grossed out by this is to have a bag designated for bathroom garbage. I like to use one that is not see-through because I don't want to see it. And that is how you use a cat hole when you're needing to go to the restroom outside for things like urine or using a cat hole while you're camping. Best practice is to not use the same spot twice because when you use the same spot twice, it starts to damage the environment around it. And then also urine has a high concentration of salt and animals love salt. So the more salt that is concentrated in an area, the more likely it is to attract animals and spread diseases to them. If you really want to get nitty gritty on decomposition of organic material, you're going to want to aim for things that have organic soil versus sand. And you're going to want to choose a sunny spot over a shaded spot because the sun will generate heat, which will aid in decomposition faster. The next item you might need to discard is food items or wastewater. Food items should be treated as trash, even if they would decompose in your compost bin at home. Your compost bin is different than what is naturally found outside in the woods. So make sure you treat those food scraps as trash. But for wastewater, which is any water you would use to brush your teeth or to wash dishes while you're camping, you're going to want to scatter. So pretend you are a sprinkler and let it fly. And that's so things are dispersed and not concentrated. A big common theme here is to not concentrate evidence of your activity in any one spot. Okay, real quick. Have you heard about the Backcountry Social Club? It's an online community where you can connect with other adults who are new or new-ish to camping, hiking, and backpacking. Every month, there are two events, a skills workshop to help you get outside safely and confidently, and a fireside chat where we can connect with each other and build our community. There are other great perks too, like printable resources and quarterly gear giveaways for premium members. Basic membership to the community is completely free, and a link is in the show notes. I'd love to see you there. The fourth principle of leave no trace is to leave what you find. So this one is a really easy one to do. It is simple. It's to not pick wildflowers, to not stack rocks and make little rock cairns. It is to not carve your initials into trees, no matter how much you love, either yourself or your partner. And it is things like not hammering signs into trees. It's really the concept of Instead of taking whatever it is with you, just take a picture and leave everything how you found it, where you found it. The fifth principle is to minimize your campfire impact. So this one is obeying campfire restrictions, which you can find during that plan and prepare phase. It is also only using fire pits that are currently there. And in the situations where you might build your own fire pit by creating a ring with rocks is to disassemble it when you're done and make it look like that there was not a campfire there. Other ways that you can practice good 
Leave No Trace with Principle 5 is to use wood that you gather at your location or using local wood if you're buying firewood. Using non-local wood can introduce different diseases into the environment that might harm the local trees. You're also going to want to use wood that is about the diameter of your wrist or smaller and not larger. And when you're out gathering this wood, you're going to want to make sure that you gather it from a wide area and not from a small concentrated spot. You also want to make sure you are using wood that you find already dead and on the ground versus cutting down a tree for your firewood. And then towards the end of your fire, you're going to want to make sure that you burn all of that wood to ash, which is why having wood not much larger than your wrist in diameter is helpful because it will actually burn quick enough to become ash. You will also want to more or less naturalize the area when you're done. So that is looking like burying the ashes a little bit so it's not so obvious where your fire was. And all of this is only possible when you make sure that your fire is dead out. This is where our best friend Smokey the Bear comes in. And you're probably thinking to yourself, oh, I know how to put out a fire. But in case you don't know how to put out a fire, let's quickly go over it. So the way you put out a fire is you can drown it with water. And if you're choosing to drown it, make sure you stir it up because wood does burn from all sides. So if you're only pouring water on the top part and not the underneath part, you're not putting the fire out completely. Burying it is not an effective method for putting out your fire. A lot of people bury fires in dirt thinking that it'll make the fire go out, but it doesn't always happen like that. There have been more than one instances where I have come to a campsite in a dispersed location, which means that there is not a permanent fire ring, and have gone over to where a fire clearly was and found that it's still going even though it is buried two, three inches under the dirt. So don't think that burying a fire is an effective way on its own for putting one out. The best way to do it is to drown it out, mix it up, drown it out some more, and then maybe bury it if burying is what your heart truly wants. But when things are burned to an ash, like a proper fire should be burned to, it is much easier to put it out because you don't have chunks to worry about burning through because the chunks don't exist. And if when you go to remove the rocks that you used if you built your own fire ring or even just to go check to make sure everything burned to ash and it is too hot to touch it, your fire is not out. Having a campfire is something that does require time. Don't think that you're going to come, you're going to set up a campfire and put it out and go to bed in five minutes because you won't. That is not how you put out a fire. It does take time. And so make sure you're planning for that and make sure you're planning to have enough water to drown out the fire if you choose to have one. The sixth principle is to respect wildlife. So the big idea here is that the outside is not a petting zoo. You do not approach wildlife. You do not feed wildlife. Don't touch them. And if you are out hiking or camping and come across a injured animal, 
don't try and take that animal to a veterinarian. The best course of action would be to contact your local game warden or the wildlife department and report it as a hurt animal. They are more equipped to deal with actual wildlife than veterinarians are. And putting a hurt animal in your car is incredibly dangerous. Like think of if it were a mountain lion and you tried to pick up a mountain lion, if you're sitting there and thinking, wow, that sounds really dumb. Just remember somebody has tried that. So don't be that person. Past touching animals, respecting wildlife is also things like respecting the drone laws that are in place because drones do disrupt animals. And it is also using proper food storage. So some areas require you to use bear canisters for backpacking and bear-proof containers for camping food storage. So respecting wildlife is respecting those safety measures in place because when animals get accustomed to having access to human food, they become problematic. And when an animal becomes problematic or aggressive to get human food, they tend to have to be put down. So respecting wildlife is respecting the rules surrounding food storage, drone usage, and understanding that it is not a petting zoo. And last but not least is being considerate of other visitors. So this is looking like respecting leash laws if you're bringing your dog. Dog leash laws are there for so many reasons. That could be an entirely different episode, but part of respecting others and other visitors is obeying any restrictions in place. It is also keeping your noise level down. People choose to enjoy nature in different ways. Some people like to have, you know, a podcast playing while they're hiking, especially if they're doing a longer mileage day. And some people love to just listen to the birds chirp. Being considerate of others in this instance would look like either using an earbud or keeping your noise down really low if you're using a speaker to where only you can hear it and people around you cannot. Neighboring campsites should not be able to hear your music if you are using a speaker in a campsite setting or even in a dispersed setting. Past being disruptive, it is incredibly useful to hear your surroundings when you're outside because animals can creep up on you from different directions. Somebody might startle you and just being able to use your ears to hear your surroundings is a great way to keep you a little bit safer as well. Also in the being considerate of other visitors category is sharing the trail. So yielding to people and just making sure if you're in a group that you aren't taking up the whole trail, that would fall into this as well. The seventh principle of being considerate to others really just encompasses all of the previous six into one. Because if you think about it, making sure that you're packing out your human waste, your toilet paper, your dog's waste is a way of being considerate to other users of the trail, as is being prepared. Because when you're prepared, you're less likely to need to use resources that another person might actually need, like search and rescue. And it's just one nice way to tie up all of the seven principles into one. So just to recap, Leave No Trace is a set of guidelines to use when you're out in wild spaces to just have an enjoyable time to have less of an impact and minimizing your impact on the wild spaces you're recreating in. It is not a stead and fast law, but when you are using public lands, you are very likely agreeing to uphold these principles just by being on the public lands. It's a widely adopted framework 
for many different land management agencies. And it's one of those things when you're starting out that you might not know exists. And when you see people doing things that might go against Leave No Trace, give them the benefit of the doubt that they might not know. But now that you do know, make sure that you are practicing them to the best of your ability. Thank you so much for sharing this time with me on this week's episode of Roaming Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I'd love it if you could leave a review or rate the podcast wherever you're listening. If you want tips, tricks, and inspiration for your pursuit of a more adventurous life, follow me on Instagram at Sheridan Roams, and don't worry, that spelling's in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss our next episode. Until next time, keep on exploring.